So welcome to the Expert Edge. Uh, today, we're going to be talking all things copy that converts. Now, whether you like writing emails or whether you don't, I'm not going to lie, your emails are a very, very important part of your business. And if you don't have a strong email communication ability, then your sales are going to take a hit uh, no matter how good you are at all the other factors. So I think that it is a very important part of the ecosystem of building an expert business. And that's exactly why I wanted to bring on uh, an email copywriting and conversion expert. Her name is Holly Tack. Uh, she's based out of San Diego. She's actually our self from stage elite copywriting coach. And so she coaches our students every month all around copywriting, copywriting strategies, how to how to write, how to write emails that convert, how to write sales pages that convert, um, email principles, all the good stuff that helps to create better conversion. Because once again, email copywriting is a big part, an important part of the whole ecosystem of creating a profitable expert business. And so today we go deep into the principles of writing good copy. We talk about three hacks that can dramatically increase your conversion. Uh, we really unpacked her philosophy around how you communicate your offer without communicating your offer. It's really fascinating. I think it's a very important lesson around offer communication in your emails in a way that doesn't wear out your list or put people off, but it still communicates the power of your offer without just simply saying, buy this, buy now kind of thing. It's a lot more sophisticated look at how to do it. So I'm excited to have Holly Tack on the expert edge. Let's give her a big welcome and enjoy the episode. You are listening to the Expert Edge podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage position themselves as authorities, and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. So Holly Tack, welcome to the Expert Edge. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Hey, I'm, I'm really pumped. Uh, I'm really excited to have this conversation about copy that really connects and converts people because uh, I think it's such an important skill that I think anyone should learn and I think it's an important area of your business that if you want to really go to the next level, it's an area that I recommend to outsource as well to people like you and other copywriters and so forth. So uh, I think learning the skill, but it's kind of like anything, you know, it, whether it's Facebook ads or running webinars, like learning the skill initially, I think is really important no matter what, because then at least you know what to talk about and what to look for in a good copywriter, in a good Facebook ads manager, all that sort of stuff. So let's have a conversation today about copy and what good copy looks like and what bad copy looks like, uh, because I think a lot of people don't know the difference. So I would love to know what, why for you has copywriting been an interest and, and somewhat an obsession uh, into you starting and running your copywriting business? Like what kind of, what's the driver for you behind doing the copy? I, so I'm a copywriter that focuses on conversion copy and email copy. And I love it because I love to see the 
basically immediate feedback of, you know, sending out an email and being able to tell if it's, you know, how it's performing based on other ones. And if it produces a result, if someone's buying or whatever that call to action is. Mm. So that's why like in the grand scheme of copy, there's a lot of specialties and I ended up being drawn to email marketing and to conversion copy. Cause I love that kind of immediate feeling of seeing the impact that it can make. And I think just backwards from that, I, just happened to want to be a coach and want to have a business. And I discovered I had a a bit of a gift for the writing and it was sort of a raw, very raw gift. When I look back at it now (laughs) that I have cultivated and done a lot of training and um, stuff like that around it at this point. um, Cause I started copywriting six years ago. Um, And, but that's why I decided to move into specifically emails and conversion copy. And I just really have seen, even if somebody has a small list, even under a thousand people on their list, uh, they can still get results with, with a great email marketing strategy. Mm, yeah. I 100% agree. Uh, talk to us about some of the foundational principles of good copy or conversion copy specifically in the area that you're focused on. Yeah, I, I love this because I some of these things I'm going to share that we'll probably get um, talking about are not going to be necessarily writing focused. Um, there's a lot of foundational pieces that are really important for people to um, have in place before they embark on their writing. And I think that, you know, a lot of times a lot of your listeners aren't trained writers, so they just wouldn't really know. And then they end up feeling like if you end up feeling like you put stuff out there and no one's listening or it's not producing a result or, you know, you're just thinking maybe writing emails is not for you and not for your yeah. business. I definitely want you to listen into this, this podcast because there's probably just a few little tweaks and a little foundational pieces you need to lay out. Um, and one of them, the first one I like to talk about is setting the right goals and having an awareness of, you know, what's really possible based on like the circumstances of your business. Um, because I think, you know, when you, when you want to have a certain revenue goal, I just, that's most of us have revenue goals every month. Um, there's sort of, that's one factor, but you also need to think about what is your price point of your offer and what's the size of your audience and does, do those things all support each other? You know, Mm -hmm. cause sometimes, you know, I've worked with people that are newer on and they just think that, you know, low ticket membership or a very small offer is going to be easier to sell because it's not going to be as much money, but they have such a small audience that, they're probably not even going to have any chance at hitting their actual revenue goal. If they want to make a 10 K month or something, and you know, they have a, you know, small list and they want to sell like a hundred dollar product. It's just probably not going to work out. And so you want to have an awareness of what actually is in place and how you can kind of pull on those levers to give yourself a chance at hitting your goal, you know, and it could mean. I love that. that. Uh, So, so you're saying it's not just goal setting in general, but it's looking at the levers Mm-hmm. that you have access to right now. And let's say you've got a goal of 10K for the month and you've got a list that's under 500 people, mm-hmm. like offering a $100 product or a $100 thing is not going to get you to that. Um, yeah, yeah. Because statistically, you know, there's yes. only a certain percentage of people that could possibly buy it. Um, but if we're talking about you have, you're going to either, you already have, or you're going to create some kind of a high ticket offer mm-hmm. that's, you know, $5,000 or $10,000, then we're talking about something that is really viable to, you know, just sell to one or two people over the Mm -hmm. course of a month and possibly hit your goal. So um, I just find that it's important to shed light on this because a lot of times people will have a wrong assumption that they just, you know, email marketing is not for them or just, you know, not in the cards when they just have had like the wrong goal. Mm -hmm. 
And I think for me, this is like, it's like goal perspective. That's, that's really fascinating to look at because I think, yeah, I do agree. I think that especially when you're starting out, you kind of, you know, you have these expectations of what's going to happen and maybe mm-hmm. you've got a couple of thousand on your list. And, you know, a lot of the times my students will be like, Colin, you know, I've got a couple thousand on my list and a couple of hundred people registered for my training or something. And, and, and they're like, they might be really disappointed. They're like, we only got a couple of hundred, like 300 or 400 people registered for the training and we've got a couple of thousand on the list. I'm like, I'm like, dude, that's awesome. That's <laughs> like, that's actually really good, <laughs> you know? And it's like, so often people kind of, they don't have perspective around like what actually, you know, what they should be considering in, in their results and stuff. So I love that. What else, what else in terms of like the philosophy of foundational thinking and just copywriting and, and communicating through copy? Yeah, I think the other thing to be really aware of is your client avatar and always having a pulse on that person that you're serving and, you know, what they're, what they think they're going through (laughs) and that what they're, you know, the things that they have goals around the things that they think is stopping them, you know, what, what problem are they aware that they have? Because the longer that you support people in a certain area, you can start to, um, you know, see results and everything. But if you don't, get intentional about staying connected to that person. When they walk through the door, you can kind of get disconnected from it. You can just, you know, you know, after working with people for 10 years that like, this is usually the thing holding them back, but that might not be the words that they're using, or, you know, they might just not be aware of the problem to that depth. Do you have an example of that? Like maybe someone you've worked with and like how you were able to take it from generalization to specificity in terms of communicating with them? Well, one example, this isn't from an actual client, but one example I like to give, because I feel a lot of people can resonate with it, um, is with, you know, say a health coaching space and, you know, people that want to have others, you know, feel like self-love towards themselves and like use kind of come about maybe a weight loss journey from that type of perspective. Mm. But a lot of times, and the person that they might work with, they're not really aware of that being a problem, but they're more aware of like surface level problems. Like I want to look good for my vacation or I want to, you know, fit in these old clothes. And so if you're always talking to them at like what you really know is the problem, but deep down, but they aren't yet aware of it, then there's going to be like a disconnect and it won't be as compelling for them. Um, And they won't have that feeling like when you, you know, we've all read different things of marketing, we felt like, whoa, that person gets me. And that's because they kind of understand where you're actually at. And so that's one example outside of like the business space. Um, I think, you know, in the business coaching space, one of my clients teaches list building, um, but she has to build a case for why list building is the, is the option. And so a lot of times on the front end, it's just more about general client attraction and things like that. And then when people actually get into her offers, they learn more about that being a way for them to get the clients. So it- that's really interesting. Cause I think that, I mean, we attract in our audience, a lot of people who are very heart driven, like very yeah. you know, altruistic. <laughs> they want to contribute that they, they, you know, yes, they're teaching people to have healthier lives. Like we've got a lot of health coaches and stuff, uh, but really they want to teach people to love themselves. They want to teach people to accept themselves. And what I'm hearing is that if you lead with that, your audience is probably not ready for it and they're going to disconnect. And what they're ready for is they're actually ready for the fact that when they're pulling up their jeans, like they're way <laughs> tighter than they were 
three weeks ago yeah and you're gonna have to wear a different outfit than you planned mm -hmm. yeah and i think um people as the coach that maybe is focused on self-love if we go with that example you might feel like oh well i don't want to talk about all these surfacey level things in the marketing because that's not really what excites me as much as what i actually do with people um, but an image that you can think about in your marketing i often use the term like front-end marketing is like marketing before somebody becomes a client essentially. Yeah. And, um, you can think about an iceberg. We've probably all seen that cartoon where it's like, you know, they just see a tiny little tip above the water, but it's actually way bigger underneath the surface. And I think that's often what you'll end up doing with your marketing. You'll have like things that get people through the door. That's just the tip of all of the awesome stuff that you offer down the line when they're actually in your program and in your offer. And so that's just something to be aware of. And it's, if you feel like that, it's okay. <laughs> Another thing that people end up feeling like is I always repeat myself. So a lot of times people will think like, Gosh, all the time. man, can I really talk about this? You know, selling from stage again. Like, yeah. you know, do I really want to do that again? Um, but you know, the people that are just in your general audience don't all ca don't catch every single thing you do like you do because you're actually delivering it. So it's super important to just kind of let that go. And you can find different ways to maybe title things and all of that, but there's actually a real benefit to always talking about the same things essentially, because then you become known for it. Mm. Um, and you know, you become really like a go-to expert for it. It can open up opportunities. So um, so yeah, so if those feelings are happening for, for you, if you're listening and you're feeling like you're always repeating yourself, or you're just talking about such a shallow part of like all the amazing stuff you do, um, you know, it's good to notice, but it's not necessarily like wrong. Like it's not a sign that you're doing things wrong. If that's, that makes sense. It, one thing, I mean, I feel like you're hitting the nail on the head so clearly because one thing I always feel like is, I mean, I've been, you know, I've been teaching selling from virtual and live stages for probably I don't know, maybe five years directly. <laughs> and so for five years, I've been talking about the same thing. And one thing I have to continually remind myself of is that it's like stay in your lane, keep saying the same thing over and over again. Um, the audience doesn't know it as deeply as you do. Uh, and that you repeating yourself over and over again is actually what a lot of time the audience needs to get the message through. Um, and I think it takes a lot of maturity like I feel like it takes. I'm kind of saying I'm a, I'm a mature person right now. Um, it takes <laughs> it takes that. a lot of so mature. Um, <laughs> it takes a lot of maturity, I think, business maturity and discipline to be able to do that. Because I, I've seen so many people, they go all over the place and they never get momentum because they're they're looking for that variety. And we know six core needs like human uh, human behavior, like Tony Robbins' six core needs of like variety is a huge mm -hmm. one, and it's a huge huge one for me. Um, and like, I think it takes maturity to stay in your lane and find variety in the, in that, in that piece here. And I love that thing as well, what you said about the, it's kind of like, I am, I had a statement in my head of, I'm willing to be shallow with my audience mm -hmm. so that I can serve them on a deep level. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I'm willing to say the surface level stuff that the client will connect with initially, because they're not at the level that I'm at yet. Mm -hmm. even though I know the real problem is this, I have to address the problem as that. And then, then when they connect with that and they're like, oh yes, I want to just make more money or I want to just get more clients. And then, then we can go into the real like identity of who they are and all that sort of stuff, but you can't start there. So. I Absolutely. And I have a feeling like you would, 
I bet that people join your program and they like are amazed by how much they actually get when they like open the portal and stuff. Um, and that's even like an experience I recently had with something I joined was, you know, she talks about this one thing like incessantly in all of her, you know, public marketing. Yeah. But then once I got in, it's like, we talk about that. Of course she teaches on that, that thing, but then also she has, you know, mindset support and like basically all these different encompassing things that come up during the process of, you know, getting that result. And so that is also going to be an experience that your clients will likely have. But I mean, that's why they're investing to pay, you know, <laughs> to work with you. And then they get to yeah. have all of that and you know, like what they really need, but kind of telling them what they want. Yeah. I love that. So uh, talk, talk to me about the whole um, piece around your offer, uh, because I, I feel like you've got a really great perspective of what an offer is and how to talk about your offer. And personally, I think, one of the reasons why people don't make as much money as they want is because they don't make enough offers. Uh, and so talk to me about your philosophy of, of the offer and what that looks like. Yeah, I love one of my things that I like to promote is that I'm not a big fan of, you know, feeling like you need to give, 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 and never ask for anything or, you know, give three or four times. And then you can ask once for something. Um, I actually think that calls to action can always be incorporated into everything. You know, sometimes it'll be more of a heavy hand. Like I really want you to click this button. <laughs> yeah. Or it'll just be like doing something for free, you know, sign up for a free thing. But I think that, you know, part of, I don't like people feeling like they're just writing to write and without like an intention. I like everything to have the intention to get people to go deeper in your world. And so that requires calls to action. Um, that being said, this is a really great conversion copy concept. I want to share with people around making sure that you sell your, the vehicle and not the offer. And so a way that I break this down for my clients is look at your offer. Um, you have a little worksheet for it, of course. So <laughs> trying to explain it without being able to show you that, but, um, you know, having, what is your offer? Let's just say it's, you know, a three month coaching program to lose weight just since we're on that vibe. Um, so like the, in the beginning and the middle and the end, there are different things you do with people. And so you can, um, you know, break that down and like, what do you do at the beginning when somebody, you know, if we'll just say three months, so let's say it's one month in each phase, you know, what are the things you do with somebody at the beginning, the topics you talk about, the worksheets you might give out the resources you might give out, basically going through an exercise of kind of brain dumping, like all of those things onto a list for, you know, the whole life of your offer, beginning, middle, and end. And then you can actually then use that as inspiration to develop content or develop a copy piece. So email, post, whatever. Um, and so then when you make your copy, you can either tell a story, teach a how-to, um, or sorry, tell a story, teach, or give a how-to. So you can, so you're like, okay, I'm going to sit down and write an email and I want to sell you know, my program. So you can look at your list of things that you wrote that you cover in the program. Let's just say that in the very beginning, I end up telling people about um, cleaning out their pantry. That's like a step that I have them do. I give them a worksheet or whatever. So I'm going to talk about that. I am going to, you know, I like people to do what's easy for them. So usually people will have like, oh, I have a client story in mind for that, or I have, you know, a how-to. So I'm going to talk about, you know, cleaning out your pantry. I'm going to give a how-to, you know, the steps to do it. So you do that. And then you can easily like make a call to action about, well, if you want my help to do it, this is the offer. So you're always kind of building a case for why you do the different things of your offer. 
um, without mentioning the offer. And then you mentioned that you can do, you can help them in the offer if they want to, but they still got value out of the content. Cause they know at the end of the day that they should clean out their pantry. And now they got value from you about how to do it. And they, they can know that if they book a call with you about your offer, it's a chance for you to help them. Um, so every little piece that you have in your offer can be made and do some kind of a, you know, written up format. And it's a really great system because you can then make the call to action easy. Cause it's like, I just taught you about something I teach in my program. And if you want my help with it to save time, money, effort, whatever kind of people usually in your audience want to save, (laughs) then you can have a chance to work with me on it. So. Yeah, I like that. So it's like, yeah. so, so what, what I'm hearing is like breaking your offer down into like contextual blocks mm-hmm. and then building stories, how-tos, um, teachings, mistakes, all sorts of stuff around that, sharing that with mm-hmm. your audience and then actually like leading to a how-to. And yes. And so just to give like an inverse example, a lot of times I see people that just maybe you know, earlier on, or just don't really know how to write great copy yet. Cause it's a skill, but everyone can learn it. You don't have to yeah, go through training, I agree. Like, learn by doing, but, uh, a lot of times then they'll kind of default to focusing on their offer. So instead of doing what I just described, they would instead talk about, just send an email about, don't you want to work with me in my program? I mm-hmm. show you how to, you know, do your pantry and I give you worksheets and I have five calls with you. And, you know, they kind of focus on the offer without ever really like enrolling people in the idea that the things that they're teaching is what they need. And so talk to us about that. Cause yeah. I remember we were talking about the, the difference between the offer and the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got to sell the vehicle, not the offer. Yes. So is that kind of what you're talking about there? Like talk to us yeah. more about that. Yeah, I know it can be a concept to wrap your head around. Um, so your vehicles are like, like the way you're going to get from point A to point B. So if point A is, you know, I don't feel great about how I look. And then point B is I've lost 20 pounds. You know, what's that vehicle that's getting somebody from point A to point B um, independent of your offer. And so those are the things that you're putting on that list. They happen to be the things that you include in your offer, but they're what you believe you're packaging as your own expert as like the ways you can help somebody get to from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I want to go from, you know, being 20 pounds overweight to losing the 20 pounds. And then, you know, I believe as an expert in that I want to help people do that. And I think they need to clean out their pantry and they need to adopt the paleo diet and they need to work out three times a week. Like that's what I believe. And so I want to be in my marketing, letting people know why like the paleo diet and watching what they eat and working out three times a week is going to be the vehicle that'll get them there. And then at the end, So that's like 80%, let's say, of what I'm writing about in that email. Then that last 20% or less, depending, is like going to just be, and if you want my help with it, here's your opportunity. And I know I'm kind of like paraphrasing it, and that could look like them booking a call with you or them replying to the email, but you want to basically enroll people in the ideas that you teach in your program and then just let them know that they have an opportunity to join the program if they want your support. So it's kind of like your copy or your communication with them has to enroll them in the idea that the offer holds, not the offer itself. Because it's like, it's kind of like, it's rather than saying, hey, join my academy, I would enroll them in the idea of, 
of increasing the engagement on their webinars will result in better better sales. And then I can talk about mm-hmm. engagement. And then as part of that, the academy helps you to do that. Is that kind of yeah. what you're getting mm-hmm. to? Yeah, exactly. And if you think about it, it will attract, you know, people may not know how to solve their problem exactly, right? That's why they're still in the problem. So you're educating them. Um, and when they read it, they can decide if it's something that resonates with them. And ideally it'll help repel people where it doesn't resonate with them. Um, so, you know, like somebody who just wants to, you know, drop 20 pounds in a week with some kind of crazy solution, isn't going to be resonating with this program. So they hopefully won't join it <laughs> or somebody what are your that- thoughts on that about the whole, like repelling people, like being a bit more <laughs> direct with your communication, as opposed to being a bit more, you know, bland, uh, with it. I think it's really, it's not necessarily that you have to be direct in the sense of like, you know, harsh or Aggressive, anything yeah. like that. Um, but it's more being specific about the person. And I think like I'm working with somebody in a program, um, student in one of my programs, and she's super vague about the result that her program could give to people. Yep. And a little bit in that situation of like, I want to appeal to a variety of people because I might have a variety of people that want to do it. And I keep trying to encourage her to like get more specific about a result that you can provide people. And it just, what it helps the reader do is kind of decide often on a subconscious level, if this is for them or not. But when we're super vague, it's like, and when we're saying something like this program will help you get better results in your business, it's sort of like, Okay. I mean, you know, at least I know that you're working with people that have businesses. There's a little bit of something there, but if you're saying like this program will help you, you know, sign, you know, get to the point where you're signing like two clients a month on autopilot. I mean, that's, you know, way more specific. And so the, the ability for it to attract and repel is stronger by being more specific without meaning to like, you know, have aggressive language or anything like that. If people are thinking that. What's your, I'd love to talk about, um, because I always love on podcasts, like a few like hacks or a few things that you, (laughs) that people could like do literally like after listening to this podcast, their next email, they could test, they could try, like, don't give us everything. Give us like one thing that we could do on our next email that could maybe increase our open rates that could increase the way that the audience responds to the email like what is what's one or two things that comes to mind that that's there's probably like a thousand things they could do um but what's what's one or two things that you've been using maybe something you've used lately in some of your emails or some of your content that you've been writing for your clients that you feel like oh, a lot of people don't do that they need to do that yeah. So I have two that came to mind. Well, I have three that came to mind, but cool. <laughs> so if we can do it, <laughs> we can be generous. Um, but the first one is to, this is a little bit of a writing trick. Um, I, if you are writing and you say, I, me, my like self-focused language, I just encourage people to remove it essentially and reword things. Um, so typically 80% of the time that you're saying those words, you could actually remove it and say it without those words. And it would be a lot stronger because as soon as you say like, I, me, my, it makes it about you. Even if you're saying something that's not about you, it's weird. Um, so usually the only times that those words make sense is if you're sharing a personal story, like I went to the grocery store today, you know, that might make sense. Um, rather than saying like, I believe something you could say, 
if you believe something. You could, yeah, that's one. And then like people, um, another example I give is saying, you know, doors are open to my program or my new program is open or something. You could say, instead of saying my new program for coaches is open, you could say, you know, this program is for coaches open for enrollment, you know, just, you can just mm-hmm. literally take it out and it just changes the whole, yeah, like this, this programs for coaches, just like you mm-hmm. uh, click here to enroll kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just often those just filler words that were. That's so <laughs> true. I, I like, I mean, I've been working with that idea for a little while and I, but I think it's so fundamental and I feel like you have to like, uh, for me, I'm almost have to manhandle my mind. Like I have to like, <laughs> get a strong arm on it because I, I definitely naturally go back to I, or I believe this, or like, that's normally how I feel like most people write. And I have to like manhandle myself and get it back into the you, they, mm-hmm. you know, we even at the worst, yeah, like that sort of stuff. Baby. So love it. Yeah. So that's a good one. Um, and then another one would be writing a nine word email. And I'm, oh my gosh, totally blanking on the name of the copywriter that invented this. <laughs> um, right. He's an old school guy though. So uh, Dean Jackson. Dean. Okay. I was like, I know it's not, I was thinking Dan Kennedy, but yeah, no, it was Dean Jackson. I remember. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So it's a classic thing, um, but some people still haven't heard about it. So essentially you write a really short email um, where you say something like, you know, results driven about what your offer results that it can provide. So you'd say, um, usually, I mean, he did it in nine words, but it's usually really short, but not necessarily nine words. You'd say something like, you know, do you want to add, you know, $10,000 to your recurring revenue in the next three months, you know, reply if that's you or, you know, whatever kind of result you could promise somebody in your offer. Um, you know, do you want to release 20 pounds in the next three months, you know, or reply if that's you. And then you just, it's a way to kind of pattern interrupt because a lot of times people get in the habits of only driving traffic to booking links or things like that. And this one's more of a organic or manual type of process where they'd be responding to the email. Um, but it's super short. And then you just have leads that you can then field. However you do that in your business. Um, but for your email school. Yeah. (laughs) Like if you're getting replies, uh, So yeah, sorry, keep going. Yes. Yeah. I love a nine word. And I feel like, right. you know, people forget about it. Like, it's yeah. just like a lot of times, like, this is such a good reminder of going, my gosh, I haven't sent a nine word email for like years. Uh, but like a short email like that, Hey, are you still interested in getting clients from webinars? Question mark. Uh, you know, like a hit reply, like something like that just generates engagement in your list and super easy to do. Like literally anyone could just go and do that like straight after this, this, um, Yes. Uh, This podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely something. And then the last one that came to mind would be um, leveraging the tool of transcription to write your copy um, or get it started. Um, Usually it's not good enough to just send as is, but the transcription tool that I use is otter.ai. There's definitely other ones, but this one's pretty affordable. So I just tend to gravitate towards it. And one thing that if you're feeling, at all with that you have writer's block, uh, you know, I highly encourage you to just upload some, if you have pre-recorded content from webinars you've done or this podcast or, you know, anything that you've done that's audio or video, you can like load it up in there and get a transcription and then kind of take out pieces and turn it. I mean, I, I personally, I mean, I do it for a living, so 
take things with a grain of salt, but I only need a few minutes of recorded content from a client to be able to turn it into a one email. Um, so then, you know, if somebody has a big interview that they did with somebody, I can usually get multiple emails out of that if I'm writing the, that for them. Um, but I think it works if you're writing your own emails too. Um, you can go look at things you've already done. And then of course you can also use the tool to speak, you know, in the moment, some idea that you have and kind of get it typed out that way. And then you just sort of tweak it into an email. I love talk to type stuff. I mean, I'm so bad at typing, so I mainly do it from a functional perspective. Yeah. Uh, But, but uh, I I definitely find writing, talking um, to write uh, is a lot better when, when people are kind of stuck on what to send, what, what are some ways that you can kind of break through copywriting block? I would say, you know, it goes back to that piece we're talking about with knowing your offer Um, Because again, if you don't know what to write, but you want to write something, I'm very all about it being intentional. (laughs) So I like to backwards engineer like a content idea from my offer. Um, Like what's something I teach in my offer that I can like shed light on for people. Um, And so that's usually where I would go is like, look at that brain dump of things that I cover in my offer and then share something about one of those things. Um, And then I can easily go into a call to action of some sort related to the offer. So that's what I would do if I didn't know what to write about. Mm. I love that because like, I feel like people, um, they forget that they're building an ecosystem around their offer. Mm -hmm. And when you take this perspective of you're not pitching your program, you're actually not pitching your offer. You're, you're essentially communicating the value and the power of the vehicles. And it could be multiple vehicles that your offer facilitates to get them the result that they want. And so there's a different vibe. It's not like, Hey, buy my thing. It's, can you see the power of this vehicle? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, what's kind of coming out for me in terms of what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, what, what it to kind of close out, what do you feel like are some big mistakes that people make with their copywriting generally um, that you see when people are first starting out? I would definitely say that one of the top mistakes would be focusing too much on the logistics of an offer as selling points versus um, like what we were talking about, the actual things you teach and enrolling people in the idea of these concepts being helpful to them or being a solution. What do you mean by logistics? Like, you know, what's included. So like how many coaching sessions? Yeah. How how many many coaching calls, how long it is, you know, that we have a Facebook group and Facebook group. Oh, you got a Facebook group. What an amazing offer. Yeah. This is a very novel idea here. It's powerful. Yeah. So, but just, you know, I just think that's an easy default if you don't have a lot of experience with that is true. Even if you do, but you just, you know, it's just a default position people can get into. So it's really more about, in, you know, enrolling or selling those ideas, those concepts of that you teach as solutions for your people rather than the, cause we all, we all know that the actual, like how it's delivered doesn't typically matter as much if you can really show that you're able to get them the result. Totally. You know, and sometimes people oftentimes will sign up for things and not even realize what's included. until they get in there and they'll be like surprised or, you know, whatever that looks like, but that's not a very, you know, that's pretty common actually. So. That is so true. Yeah. We, we, as the offer provider get all caught up in the the logistics of, well, how many coaching sessions do I do a week? Mm -hmm. How many? And yeah, that's important. And it's important to some people, but I would say 
for most people, that's not their main focus. Their main focus is, is this getting, getting me the result I want? Is it going to reduce the amount of effort and time I have to put in? And is it at a price that makes sense based on the value of the offer? Um, so I, I love that. I love that. Um, Holly, in terms of uh, if people want to get in contact with you, if people want to kind of learn about your stuff and even get something useful that they can apply straight away, we've gone through tons of things mm-hmm. like the nine word email, changing the you to <laughs> changing the I to you, um, you know, even transcription services, uh, like all, all tons of stuff. Um, what's the best way for them to connect with you social media wise and what can they go and grab? Definitely for social, it would be Instagram. So I have a little bit of a weird name, (laughs) but it's Instagram.com slash H O L L I E T K A C Holly tack. So tack is T K A C. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) We'll we'll link that up in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Instagram, I mean, I've been doing a lot of reels over the last couple of months. So I have a little, some of the tips we talked about actually as reels and other things. And then launchcopychecklist.com is a free resource uh, that shows you, it's just a one or two page thing, but it shows you if you want to do a webinar or a challenge, like what are all the emails you need to consider writing? Um, so I think that's another mistake people can make is just not realizing the magnitude of, you know, how many emails can go into it if you really want to do it, you know, to its fullest, those events. That, that so. is so true. I definitely have that with my clients a lot. They're like, so I have how many emails? <laughs> it's like, yeah. For my webinar. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's like, that. I just said like one and then everyone just buys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be, that would be good. Um, love it. Well, is there any, what final encouragement would you leave for people if, you know, they're excited to get into their copy and, uh, they're excited to, you know, send their regular emails and just like ramp it up to the next level. What's some final, a final encouragement you would, you would say to any coach or expert that's listening today? I would say adopt an attitude of testing in like a fun way, (laughs) like, you know, you know, high school science experiment or middle school, or just like those funny things that you might've done as a kid, um, with science or with mixing two things together, because then you can have like less, um, intensity around it. And like, Oh, this one thing has to work. And then you're just so like, you know, down if it doesn't work. And then you kind of start to doubt if it'll work. But if you instead have like an attitude of just, I'm going to test things, then, and, you know, just see what kind of sticks or what resonates more with people just kind of take some of the pressure off. And I think it's also encouraging you to put more things out there. So that's like one of the other mistakes I see people make is not, um, not emailing enough for their list. I know we're closing out the podcast, but I've got to say that, that, that (laughs) for me, that cap of let's just test it, let's give it a go. Yeah is I think one of the most valuable caps you can put on as an entrepreneur. And every time I do that, I'll, most of the time I'll get a great result. And even if it's, even if it's getting a bit more flexible with what you're sharing in your emails, because I know for, I know for me, like I'll share emails about the other day I went for a walk and my pants literally fell to the bottom of my ankles and I was walking. I didn't even know. (laughs) I know this is why I get paid the big well, bucks, by the way. Okay. Um, so I'm walking down the street and my pants are literally around my ankles. And, uh, and I didn't know, I was just like, like trotting along, listening to my podcast, uh, on the day <laughs> or, or the, or, or I almost got, um, I almost sent money over to some guy in, uh, <laughs> over in, in Africa or something. 
when I was trying to sell something on the market on the Facebook marketplace the other day. Oh, it's like, I'm like, who does this? I'm like, I did the dumbest things. And like, I'll put those in the emails and then I'll link it to something useful or, or some sort of lesson. But, mm-hmm. you know, I love that idea of just like, you know, being more playful, testing things out, not, not being as like serious about it. And I know for me, that's when I usually get my best results. So mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. And if you have stories like that, how can you not share them? You know, totally. Oh, there's many more. I've got a, I've got a, um, I've got, a, it was actually, I caught up with a, a business friend of mine who runs a really, really successful business the other day. And, and he literally reminded me, he goes, dude, that story about you when you used to be a pizza d- delivery driver. Oh. <laughs> he was like, that's the funniest story I've ever heard in my life. So I'll have to save that for another episode one yeah. time about the pizza <laughs> delivery driver. Um, <laughs> I used to be a pizza delivery driver. Hey, that's, that's where I learned my big skills. So yeah, <laughs> wow. we can see how, see how successful that was. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Hey, Holly, it's been a pleasure having you on the, yeah. on the podcast. We're excited to continue to work with you and, uh, we'll talk to you really soon. Bye for now. Awesome. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, Make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.